Hello everyone and welcome to the Stage You Place, the podcast where we here chat to writers, producers, directors and designers. And on today's episode, I am thrilled to be joined by director Sally Cookson. Now, I have loved Sally's work for years and years and years. I talk about it a little in this episode, but I first discovered Sally's work in 2014 with the UK tour of Hetty Feather when it came to the Cheltenham Everyman. And since then, I've just been blown away by her work. One of my favourite pieces of literature is a monster calls and she adapted and she was the director of the staged adaptation of that show which I got to see some of the tech rehearsals whilst I was training as a stage manager at Bristol Vic Theatre School we talk a little bit about that in this episode plus you'll get to hear some of the trailer from that stage adaptation of A Monster Calls, which was a Bristol Vic and Old Vic 200 co-production before then playing a UK tour in 2022. So having Sally on this podcast was a really big thing for me after just loving their work for so many years. For me, there was kind of like a bucket list of guests who I wanted to have on this podcast when I was first making notes back in 2020, and Sally was one of the names on that list. So I'm so happy and thankful for Sally to be able to be interviewed by me for this episode of the podcast. Before we venture into our Edinburgh Fringe episodes, starting this month on the 30th of July, and then following through for three weeks after, all throughout August. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen to those episodes. But for now, here is episode 109 with one of my favourite directors of this generation, Sally Cookson. Hello Sally and welcome to the Stage of Place. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Yes, just come out of rehearsals for Birthmark and yeah, pleasure to be here. Yes, yes, you are currently the director of Birthmarked, which is heading to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year, which is very exciting. Sally, we're going to talk a lot about Birthmarked later in this episode, but first of all, oh. I just want to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I've been such an admirer of your work for years and years and years. I first found your work in 2014 when I saw Hetty Feather and it was on oh. tour in Cheltenham. I saw oh. it at the Edinburgh in Cheltenham and I loved it and then since then I've kind of followed your journey since then really from a monster calls which I saw at the Bristol of Vic numerous times in 2018 because I was at the Bristol of Vic theatre school I remember oh. at the time we came to see some of the tech rehearsals tech oh yeah 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 of course yeah so, so it was a lovely moment to be able to be in the actual auditorium of the Bristol of Vic space watching you do your magic on tech days <laughs> at Bristol of Vic but then I've also seen the line which in the wardrobe at the Bridge Theatre, plus Jane Eyre and Peter Pan, which were both at the National Theatre. I'm constantly bored away by the magic and the spirit of joy and imagination when I see a production that has your name associated with it. But Sally, for you, what is it about these shows that made you want to be a part of their story and their journey? I think the shows that you've mentioned, the stories were what captured my imagination. All of them are brilliantly, I mean, it's interesting, they're all adaptations of novels. And I think the fact that they were beautifully crafted stories that really kind of shone a light on human experience but 
took you into the kind of magic realism world, which is something I always love in stories that it's not just kind of kitchen sink drama dealing with human issues. It's actually shining a light on those issues that we all experience, whether it's fear of growing up, whether it's not being able to express yourself, whether it's a terror of losing a loved one, but allowing the exploration of those fears and unknowns through a magical and imaginative space. And all of those stories do that. And that's what kind of theatre for me is all about. I think you definitely touch upon that and it definitely shines through with The Monster Cause as well. It's one of my favourite stories of all time. I love the Patrick Ness novel and then the movie is just absolutely wonderful underrated but an underrated movie but so wonderfully told and then you've got these three incredible stories told by the tree before obviously Connor's final story in itself but the way that you just create all these different stories in so many different parallels and directing moments it's just such a joy and that's why I saw it so many numerous times not just because I cried so much the first time I saw it and I was like I have to concentrate on seeing it again but it was so beautifully told. Oh well thank you very much and that that was uh, as they all are collaboration with the artists in the room and that for me that's one of the things that I love about making theatre is that you can you can love the story and you can know that you want to make that story into a piece of theatre but you don't have all the answers and you don't have all the ideas of how you're going to make it work and so you go into the room and you offer up questions and challenges to those creatives, the actors and the rest of the team. How are we going to do this? And with Monster Calls, that was one of the big questions was how are we going to create this magical tree who has to has to be monstrous and has to appear and disappear? You can't have a massive, great big you know, set piece that trundles on and off. It's, I knew that we had to make it instantaneously and it had to disappear instantaneously as well. So, so discovering that language, the rope language for the tree took quite a long time and came about through us all scratching our heads and trying different things. Yeah. And I think I remember during a lunch hour, one of the stage managers came up and said, because we've been trying paper and chairs and lots of different other materials to make trees in the room. And a stage manager came up and said, look, there's a whole load of ropes backstage. Shall we, shall we bring the ropes up? So we just trundled upstairs with these heavy ropes and we started yeah. to attach them to the ceiling. And it, it was when we saw the ropes hanging that looked like a forest. And very quickly and simply, you could wrap them all around one rope and it instantly became a tree and we all became very excited and we knew that we'd found our language yeah but that took quite a long time of playing with other stuff and doing yeah. lots of stuff before we discovered that so you know failing a lot before <laughs> we found the thing that worked i do not often come walking boy only for matters of life and death i will tell you three tales and when i have finished you will tell me a fourth and it will be the truth, your truth. The one that you hide, Connor O'Malley. The one you are most afraid of. Go away! And do you think it's those moments in the rehearsal room that are the most magical moments when creating a production because obviously you know you've got the rehearsals you've got previews you've got the tech days you've got the production meetings like is it for you the rehearsals that are the most collaborative moment and the things you look forward to when stepping on a production I think that's where a lot of the 
the difficult I mean I I it's it's really interesting because often the magic comes through a lot of grappling practically it's a lot of it's a lot of problem solving actually <laughs> so sometimes sometimes it doesn't feel magical it feels like oh we've got to solve this challenge how are we going to do this so there's a lot of practical minds coming in to help solve challenges yeah. uh, but it's definitely my favorite place the rehearsal room because you can you can be spending you know two weeks prior to rehearsal trying to solve the thing in your own head you know trying to come in with a solution have an idea about something and and you try it out and it doesn't work but someone else will have another idea and someone will build on top of that and together yeah. something you've never thought of happens in the rehearsal and that's that's the magic really yeah well Sally thanks so much for talking a little bit about the projects that you've done in the past before we move any further to talk about birthmarked which you are currently working on what I'd love to do is I'd just love to pause in the present and look back at a younger Sally and your journey into theatre and where you found your love for theatre and whether or not directing was always the first choice that you thought of doing when stepping foot as a career in the industry no directing was couldn't have been further from my mind yeah. I mean I, I never thought I ha- would have had the confidence or the the right to be a director you know when I was a, a young actor I, that's what I wanted to do I wanted to be an actor but when I was an actor, all the directors were blokes. I think I, I worked once with a female director. But funny enough, well, my journey in, I went to a school that was pretty academic and I was not very happy there. And just, I always liked performing. I always loved dancing and singing and doing all that stuff. I was not in the right place at school. And my mum... She suggested I try a youth theatre, a local youth theatre, which I did. It had a huge effect on me and I just felt, oh, I've found my place here. I loved my weekly sessions. I looked forward to them and felt in my happy place at at youth theatre. So that was the starting point for me of of realising that this was a thing that I could could do. And also actually seeing a pantomime when I was very young. It was a panto of Cinderella and it was at the Thorndike Theatre in Leatherhead and the fairy godmother had this amazing magic wand with a sparkling bit of, it was probably tinsel with a twinkly light on the end of it which I was, I was convinced was real and it made me want to be in that theatre, I, I just wanted to be on that stage with a magic wand literally creating magic (laughs) and I remember going home and making my own magic wand and it made me feel powerful yeah so that was an important moment in my childhood where I kind of realized that there was this thing called theater where you could pretend and it proper real so that's that was my kind of early route in and then I decided I wanted to be an actor I carried on doing youth theater and I went to a sixth form that had an amazing drama department with a fantastic teacher there who really was very inspiring and um, encouraged me uh, so I auditioned for drama school, got into Lambda and trained as an actor and then worked as an actor about 10 years before sort of shifting. Uh, and it was never a conscious decision. I, I happened to get a job as an actor at the Bristol Vic in the early 90s under the artistic directorship of Andy Hay. And while I was working as an actor, the education department, which was very, very small, disbanded because there was no funding. And it just sort of petered out and stopped. And a friend of mine, Heather Williams, who was also an actor with me in that season, we started talking about it. And we started talking about, well, let's, why don't we set up something in the summer for young people? We went to the artistic director, Andy, and said, look, 
could you give us the building for two weeks? And he said, yeah, yeah sure, you can have the building for two weeks because the theatre went dark. And so we just invited young people to come into the building. We managed to get 25 young people and we cobbled a show together and we were able to use the studio. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. It, the young people had such kind of thirst and need for it. And we were very encouraged by that. And so we just set up another one immediately and we also asked Andy whether we could set up a small youth theatre and he was so open about it and generous and and we we built up a a young company a youth theatre that is still going strong now and that's when I started devising really that's how I started directing and it just felt very natural to me and I much preferred it to performing and I never went back to performing I just developed that side of me that then became a director. That's really amazing though that's actually mirrored a previous guest answer as well by saying that you know they worked at a theatre and then were allowed the reins from one of their spaces and I just think it's those sorts of moments that you don't realise are like the pivotal stepping stones to then being the early starts of what is now your career like that's a wonderful moment and must have you know my next question was going to be who inspired you to become a director but obviously having that space and that work and as you were just saying there with the artistic director they must have been like the biggest inspirations to starting your directing career yeah I mean the generosity and the the belief that young people had a right to come into this building and very supportive of that but I think in terms of who inspired me I was very inspired by a tutor at London called Jane Gibson who who taught me a different way of approaching theatre up until Lambda I thought you know plays were plays written by writers and that was the only way you could make theatre but she introduced me to the whole Lecoq um, training and that that you could have visual theatre and and make theatre that didn't necessarily focus on words but that was a big eye-opener for me so I became very interested in visual theatre and telling stories in a a whole variety of ways that didn't just rely on the spoken word or or a writer's text yeah and and then of course taking that into into youth theatre and working with young people I was able to really expand on all of that absolutely well Sally thanks so much for talking about your journey into theatre we're now going to come back to the present because you are doing this interview from the Bristol Vic where you are currently rehearsing Brooke Tate's Birthmarked which is coming to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year what was it about Birthmarked that made you want to jump on board for the production well I've wanted to work with Brooke for a long time I met him back in early 2018 or even the year before that actually when he was part of a scheme that is run by the engagement department at Bristol Vic called Made in Bristol where they offer a group of young emerging artists space for a year in the theatre to work together and they get workshops and they get mentored by people in the profession and at the end of their year here they get to create a devised And I I did a few workshops with this particular group and met Brooke and was really struck by his passion and his talent and his uniqueness, really. And we got chatting and became kind of friends. And I was very interested in his story. He was very passionate about talking about his personal journey into the arts and Mm. uh, got to know about his um, growing up in the Jehovah's Witness family. And he wanted to kind of turn his story into a piece of theatre. Then the pandemic happened, but I got asked to do a a workshop at the National Theatre Studio and I was very keen to, to make work about actors own stories and invited Brooke along and he shared his story and 
And then he went off and wrote it. And, and then he improvised it with his band in a, a gig on the, on the downs in a theatre tent. And I saw it and thought, this has got legs. I wonder whether the National would be interested in, in giving us another workshop, which they were. They gave us another week so that I took Brooke and the band back to the National Studio where we brought some creatives in and started to kind of hone it and really investigate and excavate it. Uh, brought a, a dramaturg on board and musical director and puppetry designer so that we started to kind of just really hone his incredible writing and it started to kind of become to the birthmark and, and, and we, we performed it last year at Mayfest and since then we've developed it even further and hopefully this new version will be even shinier and better than it was last year <laughs> yeah <laughs> and if there are listeners to this episode who are coming up to the Edinburgh Fringe and maybe want to see Birthmarked what can they expect from the story from your perspective as the director Well, it's a heartwarming, brilliant, I mean, Brooke describes it as a semi-improvised autobiographical piece of gig theatre, and that's exactly what it is. But it has the most wonderful heart, and the thing that I love about it is that it's not just naturalistic, it is entirely imaginative, and he takes us into a kind of fantastical world where he changes from human into animal during the course of the gig and it's a brave a really brave piece of storytelling that that is all about his trauma you know it sounds really heavy and and it is heavy because it's it's a very um, moving account of what he went through but it is also uplifting and at its heart is human connection family love all told through the most brilliant music and his song are extraordinary and and make us feel happy to be alive and when I'm in the room rehearsing it I come out feeling joyful which is an amazing gift that he gives everyone around him working with him you do feel good to be alive and I and I think that's what the audience will experience yeah that's really exciting well I'm coming to see Birthmarked at the Edinburgh Fringe around the midpoint of August so I'm very excited to come and see the show and we're also going to be interviewing Brooke later on this month for our Edinburgh Fringe episode so I'm so excited to talk to Brooke because even from people who I've spoken to saying that I'm interviewing Brooke they're like oh you're gonna have a wonderful time they're such a nice human like you said it makes you feel good to be alive being in the room with them so it sounds very exciting and I'm very excited to talk with Brooke well Sally thank you so much for that I've got two final questions for you today on this podcast. My first is for younger emerging directors are listening to this episode and they want advice on where to go, what to do, where their path is taking them. What advice would you have for them? Or is there something which you wish you knew when you were first starting out as directing? I think trust your instincts. There's no right or wrong way of getting into this business or creating the art or the theatre that you want to make. I always, for years, felt I'm, I'm not clever enough to be a director. You know, I, I never trained to be a director. And that was a big voice in my head, that inner critic constantly saying, you don't have the right to do this. And everyone does. And Brooke's an absolute classic example of he, he found his way into theatre not through any conventional route, just because he wanted to do it and he found a way of doing it. I mean, I think, find out who your local theatre is. What's your local theatre? Whether it's amateur, whether it's a regional theatre, whatever it is, where is theatre happening? Go and knock on the door and ask whether you can be involved somehow. And just contact people, talk to people. Don't be frightened of reaching out to anyone who is working in the business and saying, 
can I have a cup of tea? I don't know how to get into this business. Can you can you give me a few suggestions? I think being a bold communicator, don't be shy, ask. Yeah, we've had a lot of people say, reach out, ask for cups of tea. It is just like really important and people will find the time. We're not gatekeeping this industry. Like, you know, you and other directors and designers and just everybody in this industry will always have time to just sit down for, you know, 15, 20 minutes to chat to people. And I think yeah. that's just really lovely that I think people don't know how to do that. They see people's names on big shows and just think oh they probably can't be contacted but it's so easy to find the ways to do that yeah and we don't have all the answers you know we're no. not I think the emerging artists are making the exciting work I really I really do and they're finding ways of reaching out to each other getting together and I know that's a really hard thing because money is so tight yeah. but some of the young artists in Bristol are beyond exciting because they're thinking of things that none of us oldies are you know thinking about they're thinking of new ways of telling stories and in new spaces and I'm going to see on Thursday night Made in Bristol who are the the latest cohort here who who are making a fantastically exciting show about mould and and (laughs) they're all so brilliantly imaginative and not constrained by oh I don't know some of the stuff that as we get more and more experienced they're just free their brains are just opening up to the possibilities of what theatre can be and I think that's very very exciting yeah well thank you Sally so much for your piece of advice there I've got one final question for you on the podcast before I let you go and I'm sure continue your rehearsals for birthmark today and that final question is whereabouts your stagey places so it's the title of this podcast and what I love to know about all of my guests is where their stagey place is so it could be a physical place it could be a place in the mind a place where you feel the most creative obviously we've spoken a lot about collaboration so it could be the rehearsal room it could be those initial talks with theatres and stepping foot onto productions or it could be somebody as we've spoken about in earlier on in this episode someone that's inspired you to become the director that you are today so Sally Cookson what I'd love to know is whereabouts is your stagey place my stagey place is speaking and communicating with young artists i get excited about the future of theater when i'm talking to emerging artists who maybe get a bit frustrated through the lack of opportunities they have but my goodness the ideas they have the passion they have for the industry for the art it makes me happy that the theater is in good hands because i know that the future of theater is going to be full of you know fireworks and exciting ideas that that they're going to bring the industry into a new place which is what we need yeah that's absolutely fantastic well sally cookson thank you so much for coming on to this stage place today to talk about your career in theater as a director and for talking about birthmarked as well which once again we'll be interviewing brooke anyway but we'll be at the edinburgh fringe festival later this year sally cookson thank you so much it's an absolute pleasure thank you so much And there we go, that was my interview with director Sally Cookson. We spoke about it a little bit there, but Sally is currently directing Birthmarked, which will be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year in August. 
And if you listen out for Edinburgh episodes, which are coming out throughout August and start at the end of this month on the 30th of July, you will hear from the performer of Birthmarked, Brooke Tate, talking all about their show coming up to Edinburgh this year. And so that's it for this week's episode. I'd love to thank Sally so much once again for coming onto the podcast. And I'd love to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to this wonderful episode, an episode which I've been so delighted to bring to you and to record with a bucket list guest on this podcast. So until next time, I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye. <laughs>